0: From parts unknown, this is the TK and J Show. Now, here are your hosts, TK and J. And welcome to the mist kickapalooza episode of the TK and J Show. I am TK, and I am wide right J. I must be wide left TK. Then, man, that guy could not hit anything on Sunday I don't care if he only made two field goals everything else was garbage
1: I was gonna I was with my friend we were watching this game and I said to him I'm gonna be 45 years old and I'm gonna remember the name Zane Gonzalez almost uh
0: almost leaves the kind of sour legacy taste in your mouth that Josh Gordon does but we'll get into more of that
1: later (laughs) so my man Jay how was your week uh the week was great um a lot of buildup but I ended up in the big house on Saturday uh which was an amazing experience to me I know that it doesn't make all the Ohio State fans happy but there's nothing like being around 110,000 people who are on the same page as you 110,000 thought. I mean people in one place man that had to have been uh, a poop show you know what's <laughs> crazy about being at the University of Michigan is it is a bunch of uppity bougie people watching football they it, it, it's not like going to a place where, you know, everyone's, you know, drunk and all over the place. You know, you could pretty much get a golf clap when Michigan scores. You know, it's just 110 golf claps. So it sounds like a huge thundering roar. Oh, I see. I see. You
0: know, it was nice to see they started a little slow against SMU, but they came back and uh, put a good whooping on them. So it was nice to see that because as much as I am not a fan of Michigan, I am a fan of the Big
1: Ten. So when the Big Ten wins, it's a good thing for everybody. So it's a highlight what Michigan does and it's it's similar to what the Browns do. They like to really establish the run, so it's so hard to watch because you're like guys, you are Michigan. We're playing SMU. It should not be tied in the first quarter. But what happened is is when they started to pour it on is because they set up the run, set up the run, set up the run, play action. All of a sudden SMU is caught off guard. Right. So, what else did you do this weekend other than the uh, Michigan game? Well, that was that was pretty much it. I got into some football on Sunday. Finally, got to sit down and watch my Red Zone package. And uh, there you go. Yeah, I mean that you know that uh, spectrum you know raised my rates about forty bucks for that. So I'm going to get every minute of that, as you should, my friend.
0: I I, uh, I went shopping on Saturday night. My dad's birthday was this past Monday. Shout out to Chris K. Happy birthday, Dad! Happy birthday, young man. Yeah, he uh, tries to say that he hasn't aged past uh, 30, but I don't see how I can be older than him, so uh, I guess that's another subject for another day. Um, I also got out uh, and played some golf on Sunday after church. Of um, course, it was a little rough that I played at. Uh, we've talked about that before. Left a lot of shots out there because I couldn't chip very well, but um, still had fun. That's all that matters. Hit my hybrid club 220 plus, almost as far as my driver, so Uh, I'm still debating on if I need to buy a new driver after my minute's demise a few weeks
1: ago. I feel like when I played with you guys the one time, the hybrid club was my club. Like, it's it's amazing to use. It does everything that you need to do. I have a hard time with the woods, but for some reason, that hybrid club, when I would basically – drive the ball 20 yards off the tee and then take the hybrid club and hit it all the way to the green. I love that club. I, it's an amazing club. Yes, it is. And
0: I kind of upset that I lost my hybrid three so early on in the season after paying for it, but um, as a brand new club, but anyway, um, then on on Sunday uh, my buddy, Dennis, shout out to Dennis, came over to my mother-in-law's house. She's got a uh, newly restored 66 Mustang. This thing is candy apple red. It is gorgeous. And uh, the company who did it did a great job with it, um, but there's some things on it that uh, I think should uh, be working a little better for. Uh, She agrees. Um, So my buddy Dennis came over and picked up uh, the car. He's going to work on it in his garage. And uh, we were watching the end of the Browns game on my little iPhone uh, 6 Plus um, and just watching Miss Kick after Miss Kick. And it was just like watching a horror film, watching Drew Brees just work his magic in the fourth quarter and score 18 points on that Browns
1: defense that held him to three points through three quarters. If you can imagine what it felt like, and I'm going to tell you from my experience or my, my my perspective, when we're getting close to the end of the game, Antonio Callaway gets his first touchdown on what is an amazing throw and catch by Tyrod Taylor and Antonio Callaway to be sitting there cheering, running down the room, swearing and cussing and saying amazing things because I'm so happy that we are we are about to be ahead of the Saints in New Orleans to watch Zane Gonzalez trot out there and immediately stab me right in my heart he missed it wide
0: left it's an extra point that's the second one he missed in the game that's inexcusable and the fact that he missed two more field goals so in three we are sorry in the first two weeks of the season your kicker has missed Two extra points and three field goals, which would have put you at two and zero. Two and zero looks a heck of a lot better than zero
1: one and one. And and the thing about it is, is we should be three and zero by the end of the, by the end of Thursday. We should be, and we are literally those missed field goals and extra points away from being a three and zero team, and that hurts. It does hurt because this is a young team who's coming off a
0: winless season, a coach who seems to be fighting for his life as far as his job goes, and you got some idiot kicker out there who can't seem to kick the ball right. We're going to talk more about his situation in a little bit. Before I get too worked up about that, I'd like to break down the game with you because I I saw a lot of good, but I saw some things too that I think we need to work on. Um, I thought Todd Haley's offensive game plan was much better this week. Me personally, it's still not where I'd like to see it. I'd like to see them run more than they pass just because I think you have these this, this three-back system that you're touting. Then you need to run the ball more than you pass it. Uh, but we still got to get Carlos Haidt going, my man.
1: He's still struggling out of the gate, and I don't understand why that is. I think our run our run offense has been a little bit anemic, and I don't know if it's the, the blocking. I don't know if it's our running backs not seeing the holes that are that are there for them. But what we need is for them to pick it up. And some of the situations those running backs are put in, they're pretty much against the wall because they're stacking the box. I mean, I see it. I saw it with the Saints. I saw it with, the, with Pittsburgh is the situations. Todd Haley isn't breaking the trend. He, he, he is being very predictable on some of the things which is causing our running backs not to have good yardage and good gains. They're literally having to work for this stuff themselves.
0: Right, and my biggest beef, too, with uh, some of the play calling is why on 4th and 1 do you have your finesse back in the backfield instead of a guy like Carlos Hyde, who is a brute strength runner, or like we were talking about off-air, Nick Chubb, who is built to go through tiny tiny holes and make up quick yards to get your team's first downs on 3rd and 1 and 4th and 1. Duke Johnson is not your guy to be running that ball on 4th and 1.
1: And Nick Chubb, if anyone watched the Rose Bowl game against Oklahoma, he's the type who hits the hole between the tackles, and then once he gets out in the open, he's gone. And I don't understand why we don't use him more because that's what type of back he is. He's not Saquon, I get it, but he is Carlos Hyde, but faster. And to have him out there on third down is what we need. Because unless you're going to do a screen pass or you're going to pass it to the running back, we don't need Duke Johnson at that point, especially on third down and on passing down. You need a bigger guy out there that's going to help get extra pass block like Nick Chubb and Carl's High should be out there. Exactly.
0: And I got to give Tyrod Taylor some props because we kind of ripped him a little bit. Uh, We talked about, you know, 15 to 40, not getting the job done. Much better this past week, 22 of 30, 246 yards, one touchdown, one pick. That one pick did put the defense in a really bad spot later in the game. Um, But the one thing I saw is he didn't seem to hold the ball as much. He only was sacked three times against that Saints defense.
1: Look, Tyrod Taylor is who he is. He, he's playing with us the way he played with the Bills. He he doesn't really turn over the ball. He made a bad pick in the game. It, it was a bad read. He, I guess when he had to reset his feet after almost being sacked, he didn't see the linebacker there, and he threw it right to him. I get it, but as a veteran, you can't make those mistakes. But at the end of the day, he is who he is, and he hasn't been playing terrible. Uh, we asked for you know for the conditions to be better, in new Orleans and we wanted to see what he can do to me. He proved me, he proved me to prove to me that he's a good quarterback, not good. I'm sorry. That's a little far. He's an okay quarterback. He's serviceable. And that throw to Antonio Callaway was amazing to me. And your serviceable quarterback has you in a position to be two and zero. Exactly. There,
0: you know, you can't really ask for, for much more than you that. You
1: really can't. And we, again, we are a couple missed field goals away from being two and zero. About to go face the Jets with the rookie quarterback, which we should be three and zero. Oh. Exactly. I thought the defense played three amazing quarters. It's 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 nearly
0: impossible to hold that high powered offense to three points through three quarters. You kept Michael Thomas in check. You kept Ted Gitt in check. You kept Alvin Kamara in check. Uh, but that fourth quarter, man, the fourth quarter was an Achilles heel. Ninth point, fourth quarter lead, eighteen points in the last quarter. That's just too much to give up against a team like that. And, you know, Michael Thomas ended up finding the end zone twice in that fourth quarter.
1: Drew Brees is going to do what Drew Brees does. I mean, he's like Tom Brady. Uh, Even when he's down, it's scary. That's why you have to get all those points that we needed, especially from the extra points and the the missed field goals. You got got to get those points. And I felt like our defense kept us in there against Drew Brees. And mind you, in the past two weeks, we've played – two top five quarterbacks if uh, arguably I mean Ben he's kind of falling off but still top five quarterback until further notice so we've done absolutely amazing with two Hall of Fame style quarterbacks and I'm very impressed with our defense and and even what they let go in the fourth quarter I'm telling you Drew Brees is gonna do what Drew Brees does just like Tom Brady does what he does they are known for comebacks and you really just have to beat them on the scoreboard. You can't expect to beat them uh, and, and hold them down for the whole entire game. Right, but the Browns
0: got exactly what they were looking for. They controlled the tempo of this game. They controlled basically the game from beginning to end. Even when New Orleans scored at the end of the game, the Browns were still eating up chunks of time when they were at mm-hmm. the drives that they had. But I think they had a big missed assignment on Gid Jr. at the end of that game. He got open at midfield. When he gets open and catches that ball midfield, in that situation, tie game, that play ends there. You can't allow him to advance the ball 30 yards down the field and give their kicker a chip shot field goal. It's just that's not winning football.
1: And it's not. Um, A a lot of things showed uh, some inexperience and inconsistencies, and this is what the Browns have been, and we're trying to plug up these holes every now and then. So, uh, you know, we see things like this happen – but they're, they're slowly, slowly going away, which is great. You know, we had a big boy drive at the end of that game. And you started to think, Saints score, there's 26 left on the clock. You might as well turn to the next channel. Game's over. And that's normally how we did things with the Browns. But they they let they let the Saints score, and we drove the ball down with an amazing drive. Three plays. Three plays to get in field goal range. That is a good side of a good football team and things to come.
0: Yes, but I believe their head coach let them down in that situation. And let me tell you why. When they ran that uh, last out route to Callaway to get within, make that 52 yard field goal, there's still eight seconds left. So they went from 14 seconds to eight. By my calculations, it took six seconds for that play. Hugh Jackson needs to realize your kicker's already missed three kicks in that day. Obviously, either you knew something that was going on with him or his confidence was completely shot. To send that kid out there to make a 52-yard field goal with still eight seconds left, I thought was the wrong call. You had definitely time to run one more play. You could have run a similar play where either you know Tyrod Taylor knows the situation. He's going to throw the ball where only his guy can get it, he's going to make a catch and step right out of bounds without a chance of getting tackled in, in bounds. And if it's incomplete, you still trot your guy out there for a 52-yard field goal. But the fact that he did not have the confidence in his offense to do that Really, really irritated me because I really think you put your kicker and your special teams at a big disadvantage by not doing everything you can to get them as close as they can in that type of a situation.
1: Um, fifty-two yard field goal, no fifty-two uh, yard field goal, uh, eight seconds left, no timeouts. I'm on the flip side of this. I, I heard a lot of that uh, that they were blaming it on uh, Hugh for for not running it, and-, and while Hugh is at fault for a lot of this, I think at that point he actually made the right decision. And I'll tell you why because there's so many things that could have went wrong there. You 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 put the ball up in the air again, you risk interception. You don't win the game. You put the ball up there, it gets caught. You risk not being able to get down and get the, the special teams out there. So your only option is to do an out route. I mean, what, you give 10 more yards and you still risk a pick six because um, out routes are known for those. If you don't throw it perfectly, it's a pick six. It's It's gone. It's going to the house. So I think he did what he did. Now, I understand that Zane Gonzalez – wasn't having a good game. But in my opinion, head coach, hey, man, go out there and make us forget it all about what happened. Hit this 52-yard field goal and tie the game up with the Saints. So I think he was very conservative, and I agree with the play call because there's just so many things that could have went wrong if you put the ball up in there. Why push the envelope in a sense?
0: The only reason I would push it is, like I said, I know my kicker is already – Struggled mightily this game. He struggled mightily dating back to last season. Um, hence, that's why I would have done it. But I can definitely see your side of it. Um, but you know, he's had so many questionable calls when it comes to clock management that I just thought that was another one you could chalk up to clock management.
1: Yeah, I the clock the clock runs. So if if they if they make the catch and get closer. Who who's to say they're going to be able to get there and 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 spike the ball and get it get it done? So well, you to me, like I said, you only run that route to where it's your
0: guy catches the ball and he's out of bounds, and if he's not open, you throw it at his feet. Yeah, two seconds left, one second left, and you kick that field goal.
1: Yeah, and and I can see that, but I just feel like there's so many things that could go wrong than that would go right if you just trot the field goal kicker out there. There's two options with with trotting your special teams out there. He either makes it or he misses it. There is a myriad of options when it comes to sending your offense back there. And just to name a few, you you get the play, you get a Hail Mary touchdown. Cool. That happens. You get you walk off, you win. Uh, Incompletion, we save time right there. We're still at the f- uh, 52-yard line. Make the completion. Do we have enough time to get down there and spike the ball? Things like that. There's just so many more variables by striving your offense out of there rather than striving your special teams out there and – you know, making your kicker, who we pay to do this, make the field goal. Right. Um, I think we'll agree
0: to disagree on that one. Uh, but I got to give the props to this defense again. Two more takeaways. Uh, I'll force fumbles too. So, I mean, they didn't get Drew Brees as far as interceptions go, but they're tackling guys. They're making plays on the football, which I really, really enjoy watching, especially since we haven't seen a lot of that. This uh, defense has eight takeaways this season and six sacks. However,. Ten points off turnover, Shay. That's that's really, really rough. You're
1: not rewarding the defense for what it's giving you. That's Todd Haley's fault. Um his his defense, I mean his offensive scheme. Whew, man. It's just it's just not running on all cylinders yet. And and I need for them to pick up that side of the ball because the defense has said, we're here. The Browns have a uh contend now a, defense. Yeah, they can contend now defense. They have a Pro Bowl caliber going defense. They have a playoff contending defense right now. We just don't have the offense right now. And only 10 points on eight turnovers is inexcusable. Very inexcusable. You can't
0: average one, almost less than one point, or or, just over one point per turnover, I should say, and think that's going to be successful for you. Um, Our man, Njoku, just continues to drop the football. And it's not like Tyrod Taylor's putting balls over his head or making him go up and make some tough catches. He's putting it right in a guy's breadbasket. What more? How many more chances do you give David Njoku before you just make him a blocker and give those reps or those potential opportunities to someone like Duke Johnson?
1: Yeah, or Seth DeValve when he, when he decides he's feeling healthy and ready to make those, those catches. Uh, I, I think that time is coming. Uh, I think we're going to give him one more game with the Jets, and I think if he continues to do what he's going to do, I think he will pull the trigger and say, Seth, you're going to have to be number one on the depth chart and let Njoku be the blocker from here on out.
0: Right. Because, I mean, you can't keep dropping the football because those are drive-killing drops. Those are momentum-killing drops. A lot of those times they seem to go to him right after turnovers, and he just drop after drop after drop. And my goodness, David, if you would just catch the ball first and then turn and run, you would be so much more successful makes my blood boil because I don't have the patience for drop football It's so just that's not a good way to help your quarterback bail bail them out
1: we don't we don't have the time for it um when we're trying to get better you know what what makes me sad about David Njoku is because he he reminds me of a of a Devin Funches Devin Funches was a tight end in his time in Michigan and he came into the league and they immediately moved him to wide receiver and for me Njoku has that same body type has the same height should have the same amount of skills, but he he just keeps dropping passes. And it's like, David, there's no linebacker in the league that can cover you. So you are and need to be that option, that threat, that safety blanket for Tyrod to go to because when when he can't get to his receivers, you still got a, a basically a receiver at tight end, and we need you so that we can move the ball. And that's probably why the, the, the offense is struggling so much because we just don't have that – That weapon at tight end, like we need, right? Also, and um,
0: yeah, that's pretty much all I can say about that. Um, So, moving on from the Saints game, Jay, um, I'd like to kind of pick your brain and get into uh, some Josh Gordon and Zane Gonzalez trades um, and releases. And this will be the last time on this podcast that you'll hear me utter the, the name Josh Gordon. I don't care what he does for the New England Patriots, I will not acknowledge his name, his number anything about him because I feel like he didn't want to be here and he quit on this franchise, everything this franchise has done for him. And after we have this debate, I will never utter the words, Josh Gordon again.
1: Yeah. Josh Gordon. Um, I, I wanted him to be, I I'll just say this. I was his number one cheerleader. I wanted a success story out of him and I wanted his success story selfishly to coincide with the success of the Browns. And I was excited to see him coming back and, um, and I felt like he slapped in—he slapped us all in the face. I, I felt like he spit on this franchise by basically saying, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. And that that was unfair. We wasted all offseason hoping to, for him to come back and for him to turn around and just basically turn his back on us and and pretty much force our hand. Makes me sick. It, it really does. I mean, I really don't think the guy was hurt because who does a promotional shoot
0: on a Saturday night or Friday – sorry, excuse me, a Friday night after 10 o'clock? at the facility like what what were you photoshooting at that time of the night Josh and how do you hurt your hamstring because there's no way you guys were doing some kind of running exercise so to me you weren't hurt you didn't want to be here you were looking for an excuse not to have to play in our uniform again um and quite honestly what else could the browns have done for this guy
1: and there's nothing more we could have done and we're not we're not built for, for a charity case like that. We're not. We, we've we got to win, and we got to win now. And I understand Hugh's immediate reaction to cutting him because Hugh understands if I don't win, I'm, I'm out too.
0: So- and i got to give you know GM John Dorsey, I'm, I'm not a big fan of what he did with the kicker, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But the fact that now Josh has been an example set to the team where if you don't want to be here and you don't want to be a part of this turnaround and you don't want to be a part of this new culture – Okay. Goodbye. Don't let the door hit you.
1: It's how the it's how the Patriots, ironically, who got Josh Gordon, operate. Um, that's how good franchises franchises do operate. Now, the thing about the Patriots is they have the luxury to pick trash up off the pile and and turn it into gold. So we don't have that luxury. We we gotta we gotta win now, and we we can't have any of these distractions and. I'm glad that Josh Gordon's gone because no more distraction. We'll, we'll take Jarvis Landry, who wants to be here. We'll take Antonio Callaway, who wants to be here. Josh, you can go somewhere, and 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 if you win at the Patriots, more power to you, son. But as far as being a Brown, I don't want to talk about him anymore at all either. Do you
0: think it was the right move to send him to New England? Because quite honestly, with everything that he's done and he's been through and all the letdowns that we've had you know, throughout the years with him here, Uh, I think it's more of a reward to send him to play with the best quarterback that's ever played. Uh, But then again, on the flip side, he's got to get on the field because they signed Corey Coleman and then cut Corey Coleman when Josh Gordon got traded there. Um, So do you think the Browns could have done better?
1: Uh, Absolutely. A fifth round pick for Josh Gordon. That's all you get. Um, Why can't we have Hogan? Why wouldn't they trade us Hogan? You know, somehow, some way the Patriots got away with not trading us anything. Right. So, I'm not understanding that. And was this a move to just basically say, you know what? We're washing our hands of him, and we want to show you how much we're washing our hands of him by trading him for a conditional fifth-round pick, basically. So I would have
0: punished him. If it was up to me, I would have traded him to the Arizona Cardinals. I would have traded him to the Buffalo Bills. I would have traded him to a team that has absolutely no hope, so that way you can go there— and be a part of a team that has absolutely no hope, no chances of going anywhere, and then you can kind of feel how Browns fans felt watching you let us down time after time after time. And I get you had an addiction, and it's a sickness. However, you had the privilege of playing in the National Football League, something I would give anything to have just the opportunity for, and you wasted it. You wasted five years of your prime because you couldn't stay clean. Just You had to stay away from the weed. Why couldn't you have done that? And quite honestly, my question was going to be for you. When you think of Gordon's legacy, what sticks out most to you? My answer is let down. My answer is inconsistent. My answer is
1: couldn't get on the field. I'm I'm with you on can't can't get on the field. We crowned this guy the top three third receiver in the league or top four without even seeing the man really play. And we crowned him on potential and potential alone. So yeah, for me, legacy, he he he's a screw up. Right. That, that's his legacy to me, is Josh Gordon is a screw-up. Now, as far as on a human level, he will probably, most likely, go to, uh, to the Patriots and be just fine. And that hurts so much that you couldn't give the Browns the time of day to just be the savior. Put us on your back and say, you know what, I want to be good for the Browns. I want to turn this city around let's go get on my back. No, you're going to go to the Patriots. You're going to be part of the, part of the system. You're going to probably do just fine. And it, that's what hurts is because I was telling people him going there, he's probably going to be second or third uh, to Randy Moss going there. Tom Brady is going to have a field day, right?
0: It's going to be much easier for Tom Brady to help. Cause I think that the Patriots have struggled a little bit in the first two weeks. Um, that addition just makes them much more, that much more deadly. And you know, I just think the Browns awarded him um, and, you know, to piggyback off uh, what you just said, I'm stealing your, your line there piggyback off what you said there um, having the Brown, you know, putting the Browns on your shoulders and the city on your shoulders. And, you know, that should have been done as a thank you for sticking by for the Browns sticking by him for the city, sticking by him for the years that he wasn't on the field, trying to get his life right for letting him go to the rehabs that he felt he needed to go to uh, to get back onto the field. And for you to turn around and say, oh, my hamstring hurts at a promotional shoot,
1: why are you doing one at 9 o'clock on a Friday night, you numbskull? I just don't get it. I, I really don't. And and that's what upsets me the most. Like, for me, I, I just needed a hero. And I guess our hero now is Jarvis Landry. But I still wasn't even going to pick Jarvis Landry over Josh Gordon because Josh Gordon has been here for five years. I wanted Josh Gordon to be our savior. I almost wanted him to be the next LeBron. I, maybe I wanted it too much. Maybe this is why it hurts so much because I thought that he was going to be here forever. I thought we were going to finally get a good year out of Josh Gordon, especially what I saw in Pittsburgh. Um, I thought that we were going to get that guy. I thought we were going to get that one number one receiver that we've been longing for. I thought we were going to get that star that we were longing for. Josh Gordon just basically said, I won't be here no more And that. That did hurt. Well,
0: I will end the Josh Gordon talk with
1: this. We wish you well in your future endeavors. Yeah, I don't know if I wish you well, but uh, I know you'll do well as a Patriot because everybody does well as a Patriot. So good luck. Enjoy your Super Bowl appearance. I hope you shatter your ankle. All right. Well, let's talk about Zane Gonzalez. Are you buying the fact that he had a growing injury? I am, and the reason why I am is because we like to not pay attention as a front office in the Browns. I think Hugh dropped the ball mightily if his if his kicker was hurt and he was he kept sending his kicker out there. I, I really think that he was hurt. There's just no way that you can be that off that much when you're an NFL kicker.
0: Well, if you knew that he was hurt, there's no way you found out unless if he hurt himself in the game on Sunday, which I didn't see any evidence of based off saw what I saw. If you knew he was hurt, you need to go to, to, to John Dorsey and say, man, Zane's hurt. I need a kicker. I can't take this guy with a busted growing into new Orleans in a dome where we are probably going to be in a very tight game. I'm going to need somebody that can step in and make kicks. So the fact that Hugh Jackson was comfortable taking a busted up kicker into new Orleans tells me all I need to know about Hugh Jackson. He might, get this somewhat turned around, but I'll say this, I'm going keep talking about Zane Gonzalez, but Hugh Jackson's not going to be the coach that makes this team
1: go to the next level. Yeah. For me, the Pittsburgh game, when he, when it got blocked and he missed it fine. But when he missed the extra point and then when he missed the second one, when is it time to walk over to your kicker and say, are you okay? Uh, Is there anything wrong with you? Because if not, you miss another field goal, you're off this team. That's that's it, end of story. Right. So tell me now so I know that you're missing these field goals because you're hurt. So I understand either I need to not go to you anymore or we need to figure out something else to do with you. And I felt like Hugh Jackson dropped the ball there because you got to know, you got to know your personnel, especially your starters. Got to have the pulse on that team. You have to. So it's the second week in a row that something has slipped past him and he's the head coach of this football team, and and I hate that. I can't stand that. You are the basically the CEO of this this team, and you, you keep letting things get get past you. I just don't understand it. Right.
0: And then I have to really question John Dorsey for this because you had Carlos Santos in here. You had um, Dan Bailey. Dan Bailey didn't come here though. He was with the Vikings that day. Or not. Sorry, the Vikings. He signed he, with the Rams. He signed. He signed with the Rams. He signed with the Rams. And then we also had. Um, the former Vikings kicker here who missed that field goal and name is escaping me right now, and I would have said no to him. It's not Matt Prater, was it? No, Matt no. Prater's on, on the lines. He's on the lines. But to me, you you had you you knew Cairo Santos from Kansas City, John Dorsey did, because he kicked there and had some successful seasons there. You bring in a kid who made sixty nine percent of his field goals in college, which is not good. Not at all. Who's Greg Joseph? What is Greg Joseph going to do for my my football team? And you've already had a kicker cost you two games who doesn't have a lot of experience, struggled a lot last year. How can you bring in an undrafted rookie, a nobody who got cut the last day of roster cuts because Miami already has an established kicker? Why not bring in a veteran? That sells to your team, it sells to your fans, and it has to sell to your coaches that you're in win-now mode. If you bring in a guy with no experience who's going on Prime time Thursday night football for his first ever field goal or extra point attempt. I have a huge problem with that. Experienced wins you football games, not rookie
1: kickers. Don't be surprised if we we continue the trend of missing extra points and field goals Thursday night. Don't don't be surprised about that at all. And it, it upsets me because you put your you put your offense in a tough spot. They can no longer go three and out. They can no longer just get it across uh, midfield. They got to score. And if they don't score, we're not going to be able to put three points on the board. And that leaves a lot on the field. I'm I'm telling you, Zane Gonzalez left eight points on the field. That's a a whole other touchdown and a two-point conversion. That's a lot of points. You get all those points. I know the hypothetical. You get all those points, we walk out of there winners. So to to, to put a rookie on the team, I I don't understand the move at all.
0: I, I don't. But now, hindsight, if this guy comes out and goes four for four and field goal kicks and hits his extra points, this will be a mute point come next week. But I just – I have – I'm going into this game with guarded optimism that this kid can actually do anything for us.
1: I believe you're you're justified. Uh, I mean, you were there when Antonio Callaway hit that thing, hit that touchdown, Tyron hit that touchdown. We were sitting there thinking, this is not the same Browns team. And then turn around, this is the same Browns team. So you are right to guard your heart against this team because if you don't, you're going to end up looking like a fool in front of everybody. And you're going to say things you don't mean and go from there. I mean, so you're right to guard your heart against the Browns. Absolutely. Um, So we got into the
0: talk about he who shall not be named. You might as well be called Voldemort at this point in Zane Gonzalez. Uh, When we get back, we're going to talk the keys of Browns and Jets for this coming up Thursday night, primetime football. Also, we're going to wrap up week two of the NFL And uh, after that, we'll talk some uh, Tribe Talk and WWE. Stay with us. So NFL Week 2 still had many surprises this past week. Ryan Fitzpatrick lights it up again, another 400-yard and four-touchdown game for the savvy veteran. And he has his Buccaneers 2-0 with a big upset win
1: against the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I I waited all morning. I got up, got my coffee. I was watching Fantasy Now because I have Ryan Fitzpatrick on my team. And I was thinking, there's no way this man could do this again in the second week. So I sat there and I waited for the experts to tell me who to start. They told me there is no way that you should take a risk on Deshaun Jackson and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the first player of their game, a 75-yard touchdown. I will never listen to those experts again in life.
0: Those experts don't know anything. Um and you know, a very pedestrian Eagle offense, only 21 points. Nick Foles throws for 344 and a touchdown. And Doug Peterson has come out and said his boy Carson Wentz is back
1: next week. Which is which is great for the Eagles. I don't know how well Carson Wentz will do in week one, but it is great news that he will be back. What what hurt the Eagles the most, which looks like, is they didn't have a lot of rushing uh you know, rushing at uh, not rushing attempts but rushing yardage in the game. Uh, they were really struggling at that point possibly because Jay Ajayi went down in the middle of the game with a little bit of a back injury so he was he was hurting a little bit so they couldn't really get anything going on the ground so that's mostly why Nick Foles had to throw as much as he did but with Carson Wentz back that gives the RPO uh, uh play calling option for the Eagles back so th- look for the running game to be picked up and to help Carson Wentz get acclimated to the game.
0: Absolutely. Um, and one thing I love to see is Kansas City. My goodness. 42 37 in an offensive slugfest. Pat Mahomes 23 of 28, 326, and six touchdowns, no picks. Holy cow is this kid for real. Yeah, Patrick
1: Mahomes for real. And when I was when you were doing the NFL preview show and we talked about Kansas City and this being Patrick Mahomes' team now, my only question was is could he make the throws that were NFL ready throws, make the right decisions. He's doing that. Six touchdowns, that that's making the right decision.
0: Especially against the Pittsburgh defense, who obviously isn't as good as maybe we thought that they were. Uh, But credit to Big Ben and the Steelers, as much as I hate to say that. But I started Big Ben in my fantasy league, uh, 452 yards and three touchdowns. That's a pretty nice day for Ben.
1: Yeah, uh, but again, the same thing happened to Pittsburgh that happened uh, to the Eagles. They just didn't have any run game. Uh, You know, James Conner seemed to have a, a hangover from the first game, and he only got 17 yards. He did get a touchdown, but he was only able to get 17 yards. People were ready for him.
0: And holy smokes, I'm just kind of taking a look at the stats uh, from the game. You had 60 pass attempts for Roethlisberger. He targeted Juju Smith-Schuster 19 times, 13 catches. Antonio Brown, 17 times, 9 catches. No one else had more than 5 targets. Jesse James, career day, 5 receptions, 138 and a touch. Juju Smith-Schuster, 13 receptions, 121 yards. If you have him in a PPR league and you get a
1: point per reception and everything like that, my goodness, did you have a nice day with him. Yeah, be careful folks if you're if you're doing fantasy, do not fall in love with Jesse James. Uh he had a great game because out of necessity. That's not going to be the rest of the year. Jesse James had a, had his career day. That's the best he's ever done. Um be careful with picking him up. He he he's going to be a pretender this year. And we had
0: another we had another tie, Jay. A tie between two of the best teams in the league. Vikings-Packers, 29-29 tie. Packers give up 22 points in the fourth quarter to Captain Kirk and his
1: Vikings. Could you imagine going to any other sport and having the two best people or teams having a tie? Like, what if we went and watched Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather fight each other and the the – it ended up in a draw. I would riot. So for the NFL to allow this, their two best teams to go to a tie is an absolute travesty. And
0: Kirk Cousins, thirty-five of forty-eight for four twenty-five, four picks in, a, in an intercept, or sorry, four touchdowns in an interception. But I I uh, was reading some stuff and I was t- you know kind of saying you know with DraftKings, do you start Kirk Cousins and you know pair him up with Thielen and Diggs? And I was like, man, that's a lot to give up to one team. Boy, was I handsomely rewarded in my one DraftKings thing. I had a five dollar bet, I won twenty-five bucks. You have Kirk Cousins throwing for 425. Thielen, 12 catches, 131 and a touch. Dig, nine catches, one twenty-eight and two touchdowns. Cousins has some weapons to throw to now, and this is a very
1: good football team and exciting to watch. It's scary because you also have Dalvin Cook that he could throw to as well. And when Dalvin Cook gets gets going, if he has to he could be scary too. Um you could you couldn't go wrong with that one. You took a big risk though because when you pick up three guys from the same team, usually not all of them produce. Somebody's got to not get something and you you took a big risk which you were rewarded five times absolutely. And
0: then you also had Aaron Rodgers with a gutsy performance uh 42 times throwing the ball on that bad knee for 281 yards and a touchdown. Um I just think the Packers defense had a tell fourth quarter because they had that game in the bag going into fourth quarter it was 29 or sorry it was uh let me see It was 20 to 7 going into uh the fourth quarter and they just uh didn't have enough to finish it and once again we get a tie in the nfl yeah that young d
1: for the packers is is got to step up i had mentioned it on the preview show that they are young and they're gonna struggle because they're replacing a lot of veterans that either were lost in free agency or to retirement so that defense has to 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 have a coming of age they're They're going to have to step up and really become veterans as the season goes on. You know, I
0: really have to give uh, credit where credit is due. And I got to really shout out your Falcons. I know they came off a loss from last week, but they took on a very talented uh, Panthers team and Matt Ryan, two rushing touchdowns
1: in a thrilling seven point victory. Yeah. and, And also Tevin Coleman taking over for Devonta Freeman. He had 107 yards. And 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 as I again, as I had mentioned, Tevin Coleman's in a contract year and he's proving to himself that he is not in the shadow of Devonta Freeman. He wants to be the feature back. And he's showing that week by week by week by coming out here and playing uh, and showing that he is that feature back now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tevin Coleman is having a uh, tremendous start to his season, especially with Devontae Freeman being out. It seems like that uh, Falcon uh, offense just did not miss a beat,
1: going from Devontae Freeman, who is a very, very good weapon out of that backfield, to Tevin Coleman. And they're they're a two headed monster. It's thunder and lightning. Tevin was the the thunder. Devonta was the lightning. But Tevin Coleman, don't don't think just because he doesn't get the the title of lightning that he's not quick and that he's not a between the tackles type guy he's he's a decent back so they're not really gonna miss much why Devonta's out you can't really stop tevin coleman either that's why they were so powerful that's why he's such a great pickup in in fantasy leagues because even though he's the second option he still could be most people's number one back in the league absolutely cam newton
0: 335 yards passing uh, three touchdowns one pick christian mccaffrey 14 receptions for 102 yards on 15 targets I tell you what I really not big fan of Devin Funchess at this time I just don't think he stepped up uh so McCaffrey is becoming more of a necessity as a receiver more than he is a running back and having C.J. Anderson in
1: your backfield kind of helps things out a little bit for that team as well yeah Cam Cam's gonna struggle this year and their offense is gonna struggle because they don't really have a good wide out threat when your running back has 102 yards receiving something's wrong with that on 14 catches And, and and something's very wrong with that if you're you're Different positions are the top uh, top parts of other positions, such as Cam Newton was the leading rusher. You're going to struggle. Uh, you you got to have everybody in the right spot, being the the top performer at their spots. And and Devin Funchess he's got to step up now. Yeah, he, ha- he did have seven yards, seventy seven yards, with an ala- average of eleven each catch, but. He's got to be more of a red zone threat. That guy is six foot five. He's he's got to be a target for Cam Newton in the red zone, catching more red zone touchdowns.
0: I agree completely. Um, I'd like to move on to a uh, AFC South matchup from this past week. Uh, Bill O'Brien seat in Houston. Man, it's getting pretty hot. Houston's off to an zero two start, and this team had some big expectations. You, when you spot the Tennessee Titans fourteen points with Blaine Gabbert playing in place of Marcus Mariota. And Blaine Gebbett only threw for 117 yards. Very, very pedestrian. Watson bounced back game just like you and I thought he'd have, 22-32 for 310 and two touchdowns. Uh, Will Fuller had an, had himself a day. When Deshaun Watson is healthy, Will Fuller is a dangerous weapon because you cannot double-team DeAndre Hopkins. Each of them, uh, let's see, Will Fuller, eight catches, 113 yards. DeAndre Hopkins, six catches, 110 yards. Both had Both had a touchdown catch that that text that in the defense you only give up twenty points you should win the game but it's tough to spot a team fourteen points and come back and win a football game.
1: Yeah especially in the NFL um you know Will Fuller is is like Pittsburgh's juju smith schuster uh you know you're gonna try to double team Antonio Brown as you would DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller is gonna just be wide open for you. And that's exactly what's been going on. Uh you know Deshaun Watson has found that uh that receiver multiple times and allowed him to really blossom almost to the point where he is could be one number one receiver on your fantasy team and on any other team in the NFL right now absolutely um another
0: game that kind of jumped out at me was the Colts beating the Redskins cuz I thought the Redskins kind of showed some really good things in that week 1 win and then they came back to earth couldn't even get in the end zone only three field goals um, just didn't seem like that team ever really got it going. Adrian Peterson had 20 yards on 11 carries, kind of really set back a little bit. Um, I actually had AP in my fantasy uh, league this week for uh, DraftKings and didn't really do me all that well. Um, quite honestly, it was kind of a boring game to watch. Andrew Luck has played well though since
1: coming back from injury. Uh, and and again with with other other positions being the top performers in in another position, you had Chris Thompson who essentially shouldn't be the number one receiver. Uh, you, you've got plenty of good receivers. you got Jordan Reed, Josh Doxon, Jameson Crowder. Where are those guys at? You know, they're not thrown to – they're doing a lot of throwing out of the backfield, and you, you just can't win games when you're already starting behind the sticks when you make a pass. It's it's tough to do. 13 receptions and 92 yards. It's not a lot of yardage
0: uh, per catch there either. So, um, you know, Alex Smith, is he is what he is. He's a game manager, but he does have some uh, – Weapons down there. Uh, for some reason, I just couldn't seem to get the ball in the end zone against
1: that Colt defense. And they're not that tough of a defense, but they played pretty stout on Sunday. So look for the Colts to, to make some noise, but not that much noise. And then real quick, Rams did exactly what they thought we would do, um, 34-0 against
0: a very hapless Cardinals team. I kind of feel bad for Larry Fitzgerald down there. Um, he's Hall of Fame player at the end of his career, and they just can't score. Um, six points in two games. You just can't win very many games that way. Uh, Buffalo loses again to the chargers 31, 20, put up 20 points in garbage time after the game was well decided. Jay, I got to ask you, if you put the bills and the Cardinals on the field, who wins that game and do they score a touchdown or is it a field goal battle? Ooh,
1: man. I, I have to give the nod to, to the Cardinals cause they do have old faithful and Larry Fitzgerald thats one of the best receivers of all time right there. So, I'd give them a nod. Plus, they also have David Johnson. So, I'd give And them. Phil Dawson. They got <laughs> so, a field goal kicker, and when they can use him, he makes them. So I would give the nod to the Cardinals, but that that is going to be one yawn fest. I'll tell you that right there. Oh, yeah. And the Bengals,
0: another impressive win on Thursday night football, off to a very hot start. A.J. Green had uh, three touchdown catches in the first half, and I started him in DraftKings on Thursday night. And, man, did he look good. Five catches, 69 yards, and three touchdowns. That's a pretty nice day at the
1: office. And, and man, I, I started out 0-2, and I'm going to tell you the two receivers that I started my season against, Julio Jones and A.J. Green. My feelings are hurt. What did I do to deserve this? Because, you know, I I, I thought I'd do right. I, I thought I always do right. But, you know, when I looked at it, I was just like, oh, I'm already down 24 points before I even start the Sunday. What, what happened? And then I see A.J. Green went off. I, I I was shocked. I'm happy for him because he's returning to form. But, oh, man, my my fantasy team paid the price this week.
0: Speaking of fantasy, the uh, Power Ranger League that we're doing right now, Power Ranger fans, the TK&J show is one and one. We did happen to have a little bit of a rough week last week. We did lose. We only scored 72 points. Kind of tough. We uh, ran up against the So I'm trying to see which week. uh, Week two here. We played the Bourbon Street Avengers, and we lost 116-70. to Did we play? Um, well, Drew Brees, Kenyon Drake, McCaffrey. But McCaffrey had 13 catches, but this isn't a PPR league, so I think that's where it kind of hurt us a little bit. Ah. Some of the other leagues were in our PPR leagues. Gronkowski only had about 15 total yards of offense. Ted Ginn only had 55 yards, but he had a couple of fumbles. Um, so, and our bench really didn't do much either. So, we just got beat by a team that scored, and, and we didn't. So, But we're one-on-one, looking forward to a better week this week. Uh, still think we have a chance to really do well in that league. Rounding out week two is the Dolphins and the Jets, and the only reason I bring that game in next is it's going to segue into what we're talking about next. I tell you what, I think Ryan Tannehill's a little bit better than what we've all given him credit for in the past.
1: I think he's always been a, a decent game manager. I don't think that he's anything to really be excited about, but I think that he's the franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins for sure.
0: 2, two and0 oh, 17 to 23 pedestrian 168 for uh, two touchdowns um, but the jet, the Miami got up 20 to nothing in the first half and never really looked back for Sam darnold to throw 41 times you don't like to see a rookie quarterback throw 41 times he threw for 334 but in garbage time because you're trying to get back in the football game uh, one touchdown two picks sack three times but really what jumped out at me is Miami's defense really shut down Crowell and Powell. yes at least 42 yards rushing for a team Um that's going to be, uh, as we segue in to our Browns and Jets keys to the game, um, let's break down uh, that matchup because we got a big game this weekend because, as we talked about in the open, if you can pull out a big win this this week, that puts you at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. And then the AFC North, are still very much in it because Pittsburgh's 0-1-1, uh, Baltimore's 1-1, You know, Cincinnati's only 2-0. If you're 1-1-1, and you're very much in the thick of things three weeks into the year.
1: Yeah, and – Again, we should we should be going into the game two and zero, and and I think we're going to be one of the better teams in the AFC North this year. We just got to get the trade on the track. So this is a big game to possibly turn us around in the right direction for sure. So hopefully we could pull this off. Yeah, I got uh, I was writing down
0: some keys to the game today as I was thinking about it here after work. Um, I really think that we need to pressure Donald all night long. Greg Williams needs to throw the kitchen sink at this rookie quarterback. Uh, As I mentioned, he was down 20 to nothing at halftime in the last game that they played, forced them to throw a lot in the second half. Browns need to get out to a lead early. They need to start scoring touchdowns instead of field goals. Put that kid in a hole where they have to throw, where Miles Garrett can go
1: nuts and just rush the quarterback and make that guy's night a nightmare. We've got two former Browns on the team and Isaiah Crowell and Terrell Pryor. We should be able to to shut them down. We, the Browns, Hugh Jackson had both these players, so he should know what their weaknesses is and everything like that. If we we take, you know, Greg Williams makes exotic blitzes for this rookie and, and show him things that he's never seen before, we should do all right. We got to keep Sam Darnold on his back the whole entire game. Keep blitzing him. Keep showing him blitz and then not blitzing. Keep mixing it up. To, to fool Sam Darnold into turning the ball over and allowing us a short field so that we can win this game. Linda Crowell and Powell are going to be huge keys out of that backfield because
0: Powell can catch balls out of the backfield, and he's also a pretty good runner. Crowell is that punishing runner that we that we know here. Um, and you also have to keep your eyes on their tight end, Quincy Inua. He really He's had a nice start to his season, caught a lot of balls this past weekend, caught a touchdown pass. Uh, teams forget about him because he's a rookie as well. And if the Browns don't keep their eye on him because they've been hurt against tight ends in the past, so that's something that Greg Williams also needs to keep an eye on. Even though they have a rookie quarterback between Robbie Anderson, Quincy uh, Nua, Isaiah Crowell, Elijah Powell, there are some weapons there that could hurt this team.
1: Yeah, and if, if we just we cut the head off the snake with Sam Darnold and keep him from throwing for 300 yards, which he's which he's done uh, this past game, um pretty close to it in the first game. If we keep him on his back under pressure, we've got a good chance to keep a short field and, and win this game.
0: Let's see. I also, we got to get Carlos Hyde going. Uh, You know, you got to use him in third down short yardage situations. Um, I really also believe you need to get Duke Johnson going, even if that means that Nick Chubb gets less touches. I think right now at at this point of their career, Hyde and Johnson are better players. They give you a better chance to win. Um, it's just Duke Johnson. I mean, I'm kind of wondering where he's at right now because last year he was a fantasy gem. He was able to get opening, get this team offense that it desperately needed.
1: Um, with Njoku struggling, there's no reason why you can't work the middle of the field with a Duke Johnson. And part of that is, is also play calling. I, what I, what I see is that defenses don't believe in our deep ball. Uh, the Antonio Calloway and Josh Gordon's passes were surprised defenses. This is why they, they went over so well and why they were open because, uh, people are playing inside the box there. Where they're playing one high safeties against us. They don't believe in Tyrod Taylor's arm. So we to open up the run, we've got to we've got to start hitting on the pass. We've got to start completing deeper passes, 15 yards plus, on on a regular basis, so that teams will spread out and allow us to to run the ball. You know, you just took, you just hit the nail
0: right on the head. I was going to say,
1: continue to take shots
0: downfield because you have these playmakers. You have uh, Jarvis Landry, you have uh, Antonio Callaway. Those guys can make plays fifteen to twenty yards down the field, and Callaway can blow by anybody as you saw on Sunday. There was nobody within three or four yards of him when he caught that ball. He was
1: wide open. And if you if you go back to the overhead view of that, uh, to your point, Terry, is that uh, you know basically. He was running, and when the ball was thrown, he was side-by-side by, side by the safety. And by the time he caught that ball, he was three steps away from that safety. So we've got to capitalize on that speed. And the man is, the man is a deep ball threat, and we need to spread defenses out so that we can get the running game going.
0: So that said, I think the Browns battered Darnold early and often. Um, he's been sacked five times in two games. The Browns have proven they can get to the quarterback. They can put pressure on the quarterback. They can turn the ball over. All the things point the right way. The Browns right now, they have – I would say they have the better offense. They have the better defense. You could go either way with the coach. I mean, their coach uh, Todd Bowles has been to the playoffs, so I guess I got to give him the nod there. Um, but with that said, I believe your Cleveland Browns will use the kicker as little as possible. Hopefully our new guy only
1: has to kick four extra points. Browns win 28-13. Yeah, I think we win in a close one. Uh, I think it's a little bit closer than that. I think we get, you know, another 18, 12 game. I I think it's going to be something like that. And, but I think we do pull this off at home, Uh, color rush uniforms, new end zone, everything like that. I think we get it. I think we open up those cases of beer,
0: man. I would love to be downtown in Cleveland. Uh, Shout out to my buddy Steve for inviting me tomorrow. I just, I I can't make it down there. It's going to be a late night, but I would love, and I can't wait to see the reaction on Twitter when those bad boys get open unlocked, opened up and just sprayed all over the place. It's going to feel like this city won the darn Super Bowl. And you know
1: what also is great about it, and if you think about it, we could be 2-1-1 one, and one because we're going to go out to Oakland next week after this week, and we get a long week, long weeks to prepare for Oakland. And there's a good chance we can still one out there as well. And
0: the Raiders have had a tough time closing out games the first two weeks. Uh, they, you know, Like we said, they play tough at, against the Rams. This past week, they lost to the uh, Broncos on a last-second field goal. So,
1: yeah, the Browns could be 2-1-1. One, and, one. and at that point, I think they'd be the talk of the league. Absolutely. And it might even be talk, uh, not just the league, but talk of us actually taking the AFC North for once. Baker who? Oh, eh, sorry, my bad. Maybe that's a little <laughs> too
0: early. But – Like we said, we both see the Browns winning this game. If the Browns happen to win, maybe you'll get a special quick little uh, post-game show. We'll talk about that uh, later on. If Jay's not available, maybe I'll go on and just do a quick little 5, 10-minute thing. But um, I think that'll be, uh, be awesome to celebrate a Browns win for the first time since Christmas Eve 2016. My goodness. Go Browns! Go Browns! All right, before we get into some WWE talk just wanted to remind you guys of the ways you can get a hold of the show. You can email the show, TKandJshow at yahoo.com. Hit us up on Twitter at J-A-E underscore T-K. Download that Anchor app. Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Any comments you guys have, if it's a question about sports, whatever the case might be, we'll play it on the air and answer it. If it's just a suggestion you want to leave via voicemail, obviously we won't play that, but we'll certainly take it. We're always looking for feedback on ways we can get better. Also, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. So there's many different ways you can find us. We're on 10 total different platforms. We would love to hear from you, hear what's important to you, uh,
1: ask us questions about us, get to know us better. Uh, This is just as much as our show as it is yours. Absolutely. Uh, We thank you all for that have listened to us so far. We want to hear from you. Uh, Reach out to us for sure. And if you're not listening, why not?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we try to put out a, a show that uh, people can enjoy. That's uh, something for everybody. Um, and like we've been talking about too, if you're a high school coach and you want to talk about your sport, your team, uh, promote anything that might be going on. Um, if there's any big community things out there and you know people want to come on and talk about that, we would love to have you on. Uh, we want to reach the, the community in which we both live in. Um, So I would say Northeast Ohio, Akron, Canton, you know, uh, we're here for you. So let us know. Hit us up. Well, if it's positive and it's going to be good for the community, you have a platform on our show. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into some WWE talk. This past weekend, we had Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Quite honestly, Jay, I didn't watch very much of it. I did keep on track of it via Twitter because I was watching the uh, boring Sunday night football game. Uh, but quite honestly, what I was reading and some of the highlights I saw, I thought with the card that they had in place, it was a pretty
1: underwhelming show. Um, and, you know, WWE's pay-per-views have been that way quite a bit. And I and I go back to the point of we're from the 90s era and the Attitude era, maybe the early 2000s, where Vince and his crew really listened to what we wanted. And these days, I don't know where the direction is going. So the, the card was was very underwhelming. But as we said, the SmackDown part of the card was very, very good. Um, but what made it underwhelming was the Raw part of the card. So right. it kind of evened out the pay per view. You know, you got the storytelling from the SmackDown. There was a storyline. There was a there was a way to follow it in the ring. You were invested. But the Raw, you were just kind of like, uh, this match was thrown together. So from what you were reading, it it was. From what I was watching and what you were reading, it really was an underwhelming pay per view.
0: Kicked off with the New Day defeating Rusev Day um, in a tag team, SmackDown tag team title match. And I don't care what anybody says, I love watching the New Day. Those guys are so entertaining. Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Biggie, my goodness, are they a fun team to watch. And
1: originally put together, they were put together because they were all three lost in limbo. And they originally were just supposed to be we're going to put you together just to give you all face time. They, those three got together and they turned that gimmick into a gold mine. They have made it their own, they have made it hilarious. Every time I see the new day, I want to see them succeed. And who doesn't want to get a box of bootios? I, one time I was in a shop and I literally had the whole barbershop laughing at me because I knew what bootios are. And because this is a uh, you know, a family-friendly podcast. I can't tell you exactly why they were making fun of me, but let's just say I will never bring up bootios to a non-wrestling person ever again in life. Yeah, they might kind of look at you
0: sideways and kind of wonder what's going on there. Um, Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy continued a very heated rivalry. Uh, Quite honestly, some of the pictures I saw, uh, Randy Orton got pretty beat up inside the the Hell in the Cell. Uh, He took a screwdriver and was trying to rip out Jeff Hardy's earlobes, which... I don't care how fake you might think wrestling is, but if you got those big earlobe ear things, which I don't even know what the heck they're called. You can you maybe... They're called gauges. Thank I, you. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I have no clue. Um, that can't feel good to have someone stick a screwdriver in there and pull on them for any extended period of time, no matter
1: what you're doing. It was one of the first times in a long time that I was sitting there watching WWE TV and I cringed. And it wasn't a bad cringe. It was a good cringe because, you know, I want to watch... WWE and feel it and that moment that moment was a good selling moment of WWE and with every turn that Randy Orton did of Jeff Hardy's earlobe I cringed I I, I almost looked away but I, I you know side-eyed it because I wanted to keep watching him to see what happened and see what they would do so yeah it was a great moment in that match and speaking of Hardy shout out to Matt Hardy uh, at Matt Hardy brand renounced his retirement this
0: week some injuries that he's uh, suffered throughout his 26-year career, caused him to hang up his tights. But uh, God bless him. Thoughts and prayers for you and your family right now because your house was part of Florence uh, down there in the south. Um, but the fact that he wants to go home and be a dad to his two young kids, you know, I think that's just awesome. So the fact that he has something positive to turn to after 26 years. Thanks for all the memories, man. I know I'm sure we'll still see you on WWE TV, um, but enjoy fatherhood.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for all you did, done, Matt Hardy. Uh, we hope that you have a good – life after wrestling and and it's not you know any, any pains or anything like that and i and i to wish you the best
0: looking forward to when they induct you in the hall of fame because that's definitely going to happen uh becky lynch continued her heel turn and i really think that this is a fantastic rivalry becky lynch defeats the queen charlotte flair to win the smackdown
1: women's championship is charlotte flair not one of the best female wrestlers of all time uh, she's really put a lot of people over, and Becky Lynch is her her next project. I really, really like Becky Lynch. It was really time for her to get a push, and she's been loyal to WWE with her her fan base and her her character. I like her better as a, as a heel. I really do. Absolutely, she's, she's, she's got the edge to her and the the her voice, her accent, the way she handles herself. She has the edge, and I feel like she found. Her calling as a heel. I love it. Yeah, the, the promo that they put on last night on SmackDown
0: was awesome. I caught the tail end of it. Um, WWE supposed to be PG, but she kind of dropped a B word in there. Um, it kind of made me try to jump off the couch and say, huh, um, I really, really, really like Becky Lynch as a heel because I think her tenacity, her aggressiveness, her angerness, that kind of stuff comes up better in a heel than it does when you're a face.
1: Absolutely. And they, they had to get that belt off of Carmella. They had to yeah. as much as Carmella wanted to be a heel, and people wanted to hate her. She was, she was just a joke. She was more funny than she was a heel. And it was just, she was just annoying.
0: Quite honestly, she's not really much without James Ellsworth. And I really thought that they could have booked James Ellsworth better when he was there, but um, I really enjoyed the matches that he had with AJ Styles. When they, you know, wrestled her you know, about a year or so ago. Uh, but I digress moving on with the card. Uh, what else did we have in this uh, pay-per-view here? Ah, yes. The Raw Tag Team Championship match. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre defeat Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Uh, From what I read and what I saw, and I'm sure maybe you can attest to this, this was probably the best Raw match of the night. Probably had the best uh, uh, physicality in it and storytelling.
1: Yeah, so those are four of the, the best wrestlers in the business. Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins are two of the best wrestlers to do it. And they're like a Shawn Michaels. They go out every night and they put their bodies on the line and they make it happen, but their bodies are built for it. So, you know, with the, with the you know conflicting styles between Drew McIntyre uh, and Dean Ambrose with the, the high flyers and the showstoppers of Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins, it, it really made for a good storytelling of a match, it, except for the fact is, is they should be doing it in singles competition. They shouldn't be doing it as a tag team. Those, those four combatants have a lot to give. So putting him in a tag team match kind of slows that down. But you, you are correct. When I was watching it, for, as far as the Raw side of the pay-per-view goes, that was the best match for Raw, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and I you know as much as I hate to say it, I like seeing Dolph Ziggler as a face.
0: Uh, But as a heel, man, him and Drew McIntyre have become a fantastic faction, I I think. Um, And I think this is going to end up leading to a Drew McIntyre universal title Run because the guy's got the look Vince wants. uh, He's got the mic skills, and he's definitely uh, better this time around than he was when he was with the company about seven, eight years ago.
1: I think he has a little bit more respect, too, because he had to earn it. They made him go back to NXT. They said, you know what, you were here before, but you're going to work your way up. And and it seems like the NXT competitors – Have a bit more respect for their place on the roster than people who were there before them. So you see them have better matches. They come out and have better matches. Uh, Andre uh, Cn Alma had a match with AJ Styles on SmackDown. You may have saw. Yes, that was a that was a great match because that that's both NXT competitors. AJ Styles understands where he came from to get here to be where he's at. Uh, Andre understands where he's at. You know, now. So what it took to get here. So they just put on a better product when they're up here. So definitely Drew McIntyre is that 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 type of guy who understands I had it once and was taken away. I don't want it to be gone again. So I'm going to make it. I'm going to have the best run I possibly can. Right.
0: And the match that was next and you thought it should have closed out the show. And I agreed with you. Uh, WWE champion AJ Styles, who right now is my favorite wrestler. He's a top 10 guy for me. I really enjoyed his time in TNA, quite honestly. He was the only reason, him and Samoa Joe were the only reasons I watched TNA uh, when I did see it, uh, because AJ, no matter what kind of character he is, whether he's a face or a heel, he's got the athleticism, he's got the mic skills, and he can tell a story and hold that crowd in the palm
1: of his hands like Rock and Austin and Hogan before him. Mm-hmm. And the way that match ended, spoiler alert for those who didn't see it, it was a it was a hardly contested fight. They were back and forth, all match, which all good matches are. Basically wrestle forever type stuff. This is awesome. The way it happens at the end of the match, Samoa Joe gets AJ Styles in a coquina clutch. Of course, that's 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 lights out for anybody. So AJ Styles, of course, goes to his back, but except he rolls through, gets Samoa Joe on his shoulders, and gets the one, two, three victory. Controversy comes through. Apparently, AJ Styles tapped before the three count. But the ref isn't in a spot to see it. The ref is on Correct. the other side conveniently for storytelling purposes. And that's what makes a good match. That type of storytelling, which creates another storyline, which creates chaos. And that's what SmackDown competitors will do. That's what AJ Styles does. That's what Samoa Joe does. They're going to continue the rivalry, and this is what I miss: where they did wrestle for three pay-per-views because they're telling a the story, and we finally get to the third or fourth pay-per-view, and this is going to be the last time they rival, um, and this is going to be it because the storytelling has built up so much that you come to a climax that you're excited for what you see and what happens at the end. This is going to be a great fourth match down in Super, uh, Super Showdown.
0: Absolutely, because that's going to be a no-holds-barred match for the WWE title. Um, I've been seeing some reports that they might decide to put the belt on AJ Styles. Um, but, you know, and after we get done recapping this, I really want to get back to a point you made to me before we started uh, chatting uh, just about where we think the WWE title should be versus a Universal title. Um, but where was I? I had, um, here we go, Hell in a Cell results. Um mixed tag match came next i'm not quite sure how you thought about it but the miz and Maurice defeat uh, daniel bryan and brie bella um or, yeah brie bella right yeah yeah and you know, i probably could have lived without the 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 mixed tag team match and that's nothing against the ladies i just
1: think that those two alone can put on one hell of a show and and it, we, it, we we're robbed of that you know the miz and daniel bryan are amazing wrestlers in themselves so to include their female counterpart in this, I I just didn't understand it. I it w- it was a badly wrestled match, uh, but you know it was booked right. You know, of course, Miz and Marie's getting a a sneaky win. It was definitely booked right. It just wasn't performed right.
0: I'm looking forward to the rematch that Brian and uh, Miz are going to have in Australia because the winner goes on to face the WWE champion.
1: Which then is going to set them up, I think, for another rivalry, maybe title WrestleMania mm-hmm. shot. Which, which in itself is exciting to me because we could get a Daniel Bryan AJ Styles matchup, which is a WrestleMania main event caliber match earlier than we than we thought. Absolutely, um, Raw Women's Championship Ronda Rousey defeats Alexa
0: Bliss. Um, didn't see it. i had have to assume that Alexa Bliss put up a little bit more of a fight this time because uh, she was thoroughly dominated when Ronda won it last month. Um, but right now I think Ronda Rousey
1: is the best thing WWE has going on their women's roster as far as intimidation goes. So Ronda Rousey watching the fight, just kind of my point of view from it, Ronda Rousey looks like she belongs as a wrestler. Every week she's getting better and doing things that, that are wrestling type moves before she was just brute strength, throwing people around the room and in the ring and allowing that to go on. But this week she actually had some slams. She had some throws, she had some power bombs. She had some Samoan drops. It was, it, was, it was actually a refreshing sight that Ronda Rousey is a wrestler. My only problem with Ronda right now is she still needs work on the mic. She's really green on the mic. She needs a mouthpiece. She needs somebody for her uh, to speak for her because they're sending her out there to be in the middle of this crowd and do some type of acting with no script. It's not going well for her. Right. But as far as a wrestler and as far as an intimidating presence, I love Ronda Rousey being here. I really do.
0: Yeah, I really think that she's taken this opportunity seriously um, and is trying to put on a good show, uh, not only for the fans, uh, but for the people who have given her this opportunity because, um, you know, I think Brock Lesnar is just a money-hungry cash jerk uh, who's just looking to get paid. I don't think he cares about the business or cares about the fans. She strikes me as somebody who actually cares about what she does, puts the time and the effort into her craft, Um, and, and quite honestly, yeah, she's green on the mic, but I enjoy watching what
1: she represents on television. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's a lot of matches that, that she needs to, to be a part of so that, you know, she'll get over more. But right now I like what they're doing for her. There's, there's no one else. I want the Raw women's championship on right now. There's nobody better than her on the raw side. If Charlotte would come over, then I would say, you know, Charlotte needs to be champion, something like that. But right now she's the best woman woman's champion for the raw side, for sure. Right. And then
0: moving on to the closing of the show, which when I read this, I just, I could not believe it. Um, and I watched the highlights on YouTube, the universal championship match, which quite honestly, I was looking forward to it. Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman, Mick Foley as a special guest referee. It ends in a no contest when Brock Lesnar shows up, breaks through the, the hell in the cell cage basically just whoops the hell out of Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns to the point where they couldn't answer the bell and continue the match.
1: First of all, for, for me, I wasn't ready for Brock Lesnar to be gone. So I thought with Roman Reigns winning the championship, Brock Lesnar would be gone. I thought he would be off training for his bout uh, for UFC against Daniel Cormier. I thought he would be gone for that. When he showed up, I was shocked. Not in a good way. I was actually upset because now we've got to see another match with Brock Lesnar where he might possibly win the Universal Championship in a non-exciting ho-hum way. Right. And I'm the way he kicked open the door, of course, Brock Lesnar is who he is. He kicked open the door. But when you kick open the door, that's great. You're a beast incarnate. But you have the monster in the ring. How do you dominate Braun Strowman? I just don't understand what how WWE books things sometimes. Yeah, he made a cop Braun Strowman off guard, but Braun Strowman is way bigger than Brock Lesnar. And if they're gonna put them against each other, I, then let's do it, and and let you know Braun Strowman show that he is the monster, and let him dominate Brock Lesnar. Let it happen because right now I just hate the way they book Brock, Brock Lesnar as his unstoppable force. But you have a guy like Braun Strowman standing in the ring, who you also say is unstoppable force, unless Brock Lesnar comes in there. And I hate right. it. I can't so stand that.
0: The way they're, I don't mind uh, changing and, and having Braun Strowman go heel, but I can't stand the way they're booking the guy right now. By now, he should have that universal championship around his waist because it's not the lineage of the WWE championship. If you don't want him to have the actual WWE championship with the lineage of Bruno San Martino and the rock and Austin and things like that, that's fine. But for your raw show, you've been teasing this enough,
1: put the damn belt on, on uh, Braun Strowman and let's call it a day. You know, when Ron Strowman first showed up and he started doing all his, his amazing feats of lifting things, I said, that guy's going to win every championship in here. And I said that it would be nice to see him booked as, OK, I'm going to take the universal championship from you. You can't stop me. And then I'm going to go to SmackDown and I'm going to take that championship, too. And nobody can stop me. Right. That's what I wanted Bron, for me for Braun Strowman. I don't care if, it, if he looks unbeatable. The guy is the guy is six foot eight, almost 500 pounds. He should be unstoppable. Mm-hmm. He 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 He's fast. He's he's a he's got in great shape. He's great shape for being that size. So why are we not booking this guy as an unstoppable force? And then having some guy like Roman Reigns come in as like a a, a David and Goliath situation and maybe take over even Daniel Bryan, something like that. But right now we we are in limbo. And this is my biggest beef with Raw is they just don't book people right at all.
0: And I hate to tell you this, too, but WWE is returning to Saudi Arabia, which that's kind of cool. You know, they're going to do the crown jewel uh, pay-per-view and you're going to have Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. So he's coming back. But it seems like that 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 match is going to be so close to when he's supposed to be fighting Cormier that I just don't think it makes sense. Why? You're not going to put the
1: belt back on somebody who's going to fight for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. And unless there's something that we don't know about that they want to you know, make Brock Lesnar the first ever crossover champion in both sports, that's fine. But it just didn't feel like UFC wants to cooperate with WWE and vice versa. So why would you do that? And then second of all, you have two monsters in the ring with Roman Reigns, who in himself should be considered one of the stronger competitors, too. But he shouldn't come out of this match as champion. If you if you think about it, unless those two butt heads and they book it some way where. Roman Reigns sneaks one out, but I, I just don't understand it. I, I was I was highly upset when I found out there was going to be a triple threat match between those because I was done with Brock Lesnar. Absolutely done.
0: Well, so the hot rumor right now, and I know we've mentioned this before, but I've read some more about it. Uh, they're not they're in talks with uh, Rock right now to come back for one last match at, uh he would wrestle two matches between now and uh, WrestleMania. Either he wins the Royal Rumble, which you'd have to have him come out in the last five spots because there's no way you're going to get him to just come out early. It doesn't make sense. Or he would win the title against Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble, hold it through until WrestleMania, and then they put him in the Hall of Fame this year and he drops the belt at WrestleMania to Roman Reigns. And that's kind of like the official passing of the torch. So you might see a 90 title run from Roman Reigns and that'd be fine. And if it culminates with a, a match with The Rock, I'm down because if he's going to main event WrestleMania
1: again, I would love to see the rock main event one more time. I'm okay with that. Um, rock is the most electrifying man. And no matter if he's in his forties now or in his sixties, I, I would ask for him to come back if as long as he could still do it. So I'm excited to hear that news, but still I need them to book better. And if they're going to do it this way, I need them to book it better. Build me a story. When, when John Cena and the rock fought for the title, I couldn't wait till WrestleMania I um, and we were talking, they started booking this 366 days before WrestleMania was even going to come around and I couldn't wait. And their first match wasn't even for the title. They booked it a year at a time. And then the next year it was for the title and it
0: was jaw dropping to see them in the ring again.
1: Yeah. And they, they told a great story in the ring and that's how veterans do it. Just like, you know, the super showdown, uh, you know, Taker and the Undertaker uh, Taker and triple H are telling a story by coming out, running their promos and making it happen. They're telling the story so that we're invested in it because at the end of the day, we're sitting here like, I couldn't tell you who's going to win this right now.
0: All right. right. And you got Kane and takers corner. You got HBK and uh, triple H's corner uh, that I think that's going to be a better match than what most people are giving it credit for.
1: Yeah. And, and they're going to, they're going to steal the show. And these guys, they may not be in their prime, but they still know how to tell a story. And that's basically what you need to do in the wrestling ring. And I cannot wait to see what they do. I- I'm interested because on one hand, does Triple H finally get his win over The Undertaker? Or on the other hand, does The Undertaker continue his dominance over Degeneration generation X, basically? Right. Uh, one thing I wanted to hit on before uh, we um, uh,
0: go to uh, our next segment is, you mentioned to me off the air, and it kind of hit me, um, the booking of the WWE Championship belt,
1: and I want I don't want to steal your thunder. I want you to go ahead and introduce it. Yeah, so talking about the booking of the WWE Championship, when we talk about the WWE Championship, we're talking about the eagle that Bret Hart held, or we're talking about the big circle that Triple H and The Rock and Stone Cold held. Those were iconic moments in WWE lore. So, for the fact that the WWE is second, uh, WWE Championship is second to the Universal Championship to me is a travesty. How it ended up basically on what people most would call SmackDown the B-Show, it upsets me because it is the more prestigious title. I get that they made the Universal title its name so that it encompasses everything, so it's more epic. But I want the WWE title to be the main title and be the title that represents the company, not the Universal title. The Universal title has been pretty much a joke to me, especially because Brock Lesnar held it for so long. It's not a title that they fight for all the time. It's not a title that's, that has had a storyline to it. And AJ Styles having that strap over his shoulder has made it, just elevated that title way past where the Universal title could ever expect to go. Right now, I really feel like the Intercontinental Championship is better than the Universal title. That's literally how I feel about it. So, I hate that the booking of the WWE title is only on SmackDown. I think it should be on Raw, and I think the Universal Title needs to change its name and be blue and be on 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 SmackDown if that's the way we're going to handle it. Well,
0: either way, if you want it doesn't to me, I don't care what show you have the the WWE Championship on, but the fact that the lineage that this title holds from Bruno San Martino to um, Stone Cold Steve Austin to The Rock to Undertaker that and, Cause before it was WWE, it was Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Vince McMahon Sr. ran it. So the fact that you can't book that title that was held so highly by Vince's dad and was held so highly by these superstars that have come before, it just bothers me. And right now, Jay, who's more over, AJ Styles or Roman Reigns? Absolutely AJ Styles. Who's more over, AJ Styles or sorry, Rob, Samoa Joe or Roman Reigns? Samoa Joe. So why wouldn't you have two guys that are ridiculously over with the crowd as a heel and a face, And your Hell in a Cell pay per view, especially with the match that they
1: that they ended up putting out there, how does that not end your show? And and for me, when it just kind of like wrestling, like breaking it down, nerding out a little bit, your show lineup is set in a certain way. Your number one uh, match is normally to get the crowd going. It's like your warm up. So you put your your highlighters out there. You put the guys who are going to put on a really good match to get the crowd buzzing. Then, then your second one is your calm down match. Your third and anything in between the main event is your matches where they're just the, the meat of the show. They don't really have to be spectacular. They just do what they do. They're filling space and they're filling time. Exactly. Right. So to have AJ Styles and Samoa Joe before the women's championship, nothing against the women, that is a travesty to me. Because those guys deserve, if you're going to do it anywhere, lead off the show or end the show. The, those that was the best match of the night to me, the, by far. Storytelling, wrestling, outcome—that was the best match to me. The way they ended, <laughs> the way they ended the universal title match with Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar kicking in the door and then basically us getting no decision—I sat there and I just stared at a blank screen. After that, I, mean, I looked over at my wife and I said, "That's it. That's what we're. That's how we're ending this pay per views." And then said, "This is why I have the WWE network rather than paying for these pay per views anymore because." I'd rather really only pay ten bucks for this stuff than the sixty nine ninety nine to be disappointed every time a pay per view goes off. Exactly,
0: and I just you know, Brock Lesnar doesn't excite me anymore. Roman Reigns doesn't excite me anymore. If you're going to put the title on Braun Strowman and move on, or keep it on Roman and and give us something better, like why can't I have Finn Balor in that? Man, I mean, Finn Balor wasn't even booked for Hell in
1: and, that, and that's also. And awesome. Finn
0: Balor is one of the most exciting superstars that they have right now. And he,
1: you can't book him for a, a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view? Especially Hell in the Cell, Demon Finn Balor. Why not? Right. Why is he not there? Exactly. You know, there's a lot of things left on the table that Vince McMahon is doing. And CM Punk was right when he shot that, that pipe bomb was maybe things will change when Vince passes away. You know, I don't want Vince to go anywhere. I want him to relinquish control because right now... It's just not being booked well. Yeah. And, you know, I like Roman Reigns' look, but I just don't like what he is for WWE. He is not the man for the company. I, I Guys like Finn Balor say, man, when Seth Rollins was even champion, even when he was a heel, WWE felt better right. than what Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and Ron Strowman have been for the company. It felt a lot better with a guy like Seth Rollins, CM Punk, guys like that that, that were holding the title. I just don't know what we're doing. I think we're we're still on that 80s format where we're trying to make the biggest dude, the biggest the good best-looking dude be champion, but they're just too slow, dumb for us to be interested in them.
0: Right. And the sport and the and the business have evolved. Um the giants don't come as big as they used to anymore, and these guys who can fly around the ring like your Seth Rollins, your Finn Balor's uh, you're even Zach Ryder. Zach Ryder right now is, is wrestling Mike Canales on 205 Live or not. Sorry, not 205 Live. Yeah, is it? Two, no, yeah, it's 205 Live. Is he on 205, 205 Live? Live. Yeah, yeah, he's wrestling on 205 Live. Why? Zach Ryder's good on the mic. He's a great athlete. He's over with the crowd. Every time he comes out, he gets a huge pop. Why aren't we seeing people that we want to see? And you keep running Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman out to do the same thing every week and even to, to the tag team championship match. I saw that on. I've seen that on Raw two or three times in a row with the same four guys fighting each other or
1: a tag team match. It doesn't make any sense to me. And and if you're going to put them out there, you know the only thing I could see being awesome is if you know Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins won it. Then the Shield becomes one of the most dominant factions to ever be out there, which is awesome but they're not doing that and and I don't understand that. I don't understand the booking at all. It's not it's not even keeping the carrot in front of us because we could care less. It's not about oh my gosh, I can't stand this dude still has the championship. It's not even about that. Cuz that's what it was with Seth Rollins was like, this man cannot be beat, but I loved him for that. Right, right now, that's uh, great. Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler have the tag team titles. Fantastic. You are screwing over all the other tag teams on Raw that earned that position, the Revival, you know. Uh, B-team. The B-team. Belgium. Well, Brother brothers are on SmackDown. You man. know, guys like that, you know, uh, the Ascension, even though they're not up there in the ranks, you are screwing all those guys that worked hard as a tag team to give it to these guys who should be competing for singles titles, not tag team titles. Right. So I don't like the booking right now on Raw. I, I'm really more interested in SmackDown. Um, I hope Super Showdown uh, is a lot better. They have some good matches on there. I'm excited for Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch again. I'm excited for, uh, you know, The Shield versus them. I-, I hope The Shield does something something great versus Strowman and Ziggler and McIntyre. But I'm also excited for Daniel Bryan and The Miz. But I, I got to have better. I got to have better at my pay-per-views. And, I- and there's a lot to be desired out of these pay-per-views right now.
0: When... They can, in SmackDown, you know, I would say is a little bit better at this than Raw. And I've said before, I'm on record that SmackDown's the A show and Raw's the B show. But, you know, back when I watched religiously in the late 90s, early 2000s, the one thing that was always the same is what are they going to do next? Like, what exactly. if, what's happening next that's going to have me captivated? But right now, if I can't sit there and not miss... Change to the Indians game, or change to reruns of the Big Bang Theory, or even reruns of Friends or American Pickers. That's not the attitude that I think that they're looking to have out of the wrestling fan. You, I don't. I could care less what you're going to do next because it probably involves Roman Reigns or Braun Strowman, and I, and I don't care. Or a backstage interview with you know whoever that might be. And Bobby Lashley's getting no love right now. Bobby Lashley is not getting booked. Why did you come back, Bobby? They're not booking you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Kevin Owens and him. That's not the match I want to see. No. They're not the two competitors I want to see together. Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman, that's great. That's good for TV. Uh, They're two behemoths. That'd be great to see. But Kevin Owens is a way far superior wrestler to Bobby Lashley and doesn't need to be in that type of match against Bobby Lashley because they're two different styles of fighting that just don't go together. So that, to me, is a travesty right there because Bobby Lashley is is getting – overlooked like he did when he was here for the first time right you know where they would only give him the ECW championship which is a joke like you know here we'll throw this defunct business championship at you and say you're you're the man of ECW but Bobby Lashley's not even ECW style wrestler
0: no they, they, it was a WWE style of ECW which was a slap in the face Absolutely. And everything and I wasn't a big ECW guy but I could tell the difference between WWE's ECW and Paul Heyman's ECW and even when Paul Heyman would come out and shoot on it, you know, on, on TV, I really felt a lot of the things of what he was saying about the
1: way WWE was running it mm-hmm. were true. And I have to think that'd be a slap in the face to the guy who ran that company. Absolutely. And there's a lot of people coming from behind the, the scenes that are telling us that this is the way things are. And we're thinking it as this is, you know, Kai Fabe and you know, this is part of the, what they told him to say, but, uh, at the end of the day, we they need to start listening in those rooms. The, the writers need to start listening and understanding that we want more. And this is why NXT is getting the numbers that they're getting over the regular pay-per-views because we're we're getting what we're asking for out of NXT and we're not getting it out of the main roster. Exactly.
0: And I think we made the point before, you know, you asked me what I thought was better. And I said, I think NXT gets booked better, but the talent is still on the main roster. And I just got to find a way to kind of combine both of that have the booking the way it should be. And I'm not looking for faces to win every time, but get me back to a point where you're going to put cement in a guy's truck, or you're going to drag a guy to the ring with a fake gun and demand your title match in a raise, or you're going to bring a beer truck in. Like I said, you know, I mentioned all this last week, but it's like, you know, I've seen Baron Corbin versus Finn Balor. Give me something different. Make like Finn Balor beat up Corbin tie him up, do something man, what's Finn Balor going to do to Corbin next? Or what's Corbin going to do to Finn Balor next? Like, give me something that keeps me captivated and in my seat for the full three hours. Because now I've got Monday Night Football I can watch, plus all the other things that I listed. So there's so many different ways that I can be entertained now. If you're not going to give me three good hours, I have no problems tuning you out and coming back and just reading about what I
1: missed. You know, I literally DVR the show so that I could go back in. And- I usually end up fast forwarding through the whole show. And lately I've been fast forwarding completely through the show, not even stopping to the main event because the main event's the same wrestlers. The little the little hashtag thing comes up that tells you WWE Inc. and all that stuff, copyright uh, template comes up. And by the time that comes up, nothing exciting has happened. Back in the day when that template came up, they were still doing something. We're like, oh, my God, they're going off the air. I, now I got to watch next week to see what the heck happened. Right. But now it's just like, psh, man, it went off. Modern Family comes on after it. I'm like, yeah, whatever, right? And so I, I, I just need my product back. I need them to go back to what has kept me for 32 years. I'm almost at the point where I'm there because I've just always been there, right. not because I want to be there. It's just because I've always been.
0: There. It's a habit, and you just can't get exactly. out of it. Yeah, and you're you're waiting to see if they can captivate you again. Uh, so, what do you guys think? Hit us up, uh, TK and J Show at yahoo.com at j underscore tk on twitter or leave us a message on that anchor app um and we'll be right back with some tribe talk and your 2018 cleveland indians are central division champions but woohoo we've been there before i expect more
1: yeah and i'm excited uh, win's a win pop the champagne you know you, you you played a long season you earned it so you know get your champagne on but let's get let's let's get focused, get back together. Let's get into playoff mode.
0: You know, I uh, I kind of almost almost feel bad that Tampa Bay has the same record as the Indians and they're not going to get in the. No,
1: I could care less. Screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our fault you're in that division. That's and a tough division to be in. Yeah, it really is. It really is one of the better divisions in in baseball. And uh, you know, sucks to be you, Tampa Bay. Yeah I, uh, yeah, I don't feel bad. Let's see. What,
0: I thought the Indians were playing tonight. What's going on? with? Oh, that's right. They're not in Boston or New York. So I'm always checking the scores just to keep you guys up to date as, as we uh, you know, record here. So Corey Kluber last night struck out 11 in eight innings. But my question to you, Jay, is why did he go that long? He was at 90 pitches, 95 pitches going into the eighth inning. Um, and I still feel like he's giving up too many home runs.
1: Yeah, but, you know, Kluber, Kluber was bouncing back, and I think Terry Francona wanted to let him ride that train instead of uh, resting him, which I was all in favor of resting him, but he didn't. So it, it's good to see Kluber bounce back from what happened against you know the Rays that horrible outing. It's great to see him bounce back, which gives us hope going into the playoffs. So you know let him ride it, let him get a feel, let him you know gel. I mean, the man had, was it 10, 9, 10 Ks last night? 11. 11? 11 okay. strikeouts. Yeah, so just keep riding and Why not? I mean, it, not, nothing hurt. If Kluber would have got hurt, yeah, I'd been all over Terry. Right. But Kluber, was, he was he was on all cylinders. He was gelling. He was like the Kluber of old. So let's just keep riding that train. Got to give a congratulations to our two-time Cy Young Award winner. 19th
0: win last night. Uh, first Indians pitcher to win 19 since Fausto. I mean, uh, Roberto Hernandez won 19 uh, back in 2007 for the Indians. Um, and then also the first 19-game winner since Cliff Lee won 22
1: in his Cy Young season back in 2008. I, I can't wait. Uh, I hope that Terry gets him out there, and I hope he gets the 20th win before the season's over. That would be great to see. It really would. Um, to Kluber, Kluber's looking good, and and I'm happy to see that because we need him. In the playoffs, We need him to take that ball against the Houston Astros and, and just dominate the way he did yesterday. I agree. Um, also, we got
0: some awesome news today. Um, as we you know we record on Wednesdays here, Trevor Bauer is coming off the disabled list, and he is starting Friday night against the Red Sox. Welcome
1: back, Trevor. We love to see that. It's going to be a welcome sight. I hope he gets back to the form. Uh, I'm not going to take Friday as a, a telltale sign of what we're going to get out of him as he's coming back, but thankfully it was only a a shin fracture. And I say that facetiously, but it wasn't his arm. So, you know, hopefully uh, Bauer can find the zone quickly and get back into the form that he was before he went injured. The hot take going around uh, the
0: local media right now and even some of the national media is uh, potentially, you know, you give Trevor these starts to get, you know, his arm back into the swing of things. But do you
1: make him a bullpen arm in the road in the
0: in the playoffs, or is he a rotation guy?
1: I still gotta go with rotation. Whether you put him in game two or game three in the sandwich, you 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 gotta have him in our four man rotation. You have to you have to have a guy who was almost gonna contend for the Cy Young out there starting for you, even if he's just coming back from injury. It wasn't his arm, I th- and I think he could come back to form if he could just find it before he gets back to the playoffs.
0: So with that, and that's the case. I, I completely agree with you there. I want to see Trevor Bauer in the starting rotation, but that means you've got to take either Clev or Bieber out and put make them your bullpen guy. Um, Clev's proven to you that he can get you five or six quality innings, but Bieber also has made a case for himself, winning you know ten or eleven games here as a rookie. Um, who would you trust more coming out of that
1: bullpen if you needed a middle innings guy? I gotta, I, I gotta go with uh, you know uh, I'm gonna put Clevenger in this rotation. Clevenger's a, a veteran. He's proven that in situations he he can get the job done. So I want Clevenger on the mound. I trust Bieber coming out because he's he's also a, a multiple game winner, a double digit game winner. So I trust him coming out if we have to do some long relief or maybe we just need you know we see signs of, of fatigue coming from one of our starters. We get it four, five, six or seven out of out of Bieber. It would be like having two starters ready to go. So I'd rather see Bieber come out of the, the bullpen for sure. sure. I like it uh donaldson
0: looking very good he passed a big test last night that he was kind of hoping he'd have the opportunity to do and it was honestly it was scoring from first base so he went from first to home last night um coming back from a calf injury that's actually a pretty big uh step for him because that's a lot of running that's quick running got to make those turns around the bases which puts a lot of pressure on that calf muscle um and tonight he's playing in back-to-back games for the first time since joining the cleveland indians um, is Josh Donaldson somebody that can make a difference come playoff time?
1: Oh, gosh, yes. The, the bringer of rain, absolutely. He is going to be a tough out, and he always has been a tough out. And he doesn't look like he's, you know, having any side effects from being injured and being on the shelf for so long. Yeah, last night he looked great running for first to third. His his pre, uh, post-game uh, interview worried me a little bit because he mentioned that it felt okay but he's still trying to figure everything out from the calf injury. So it worried me a little bit that he's not really 100%. So if he's playing like this and he doesn't feel 100%, man, in two weeks when he he could be 100%, I can't wait. I like the way he's
0: swinging the bat, though. I mean, I know he hasn't gotten a ton of hits, but he seems like he's hitting the ball on the screws. It's just going at people. And quite honestly, I don't want you to make an easy – routine fly ball. And if you're going to hit the ball on the screws and make it out, I'm okay with that because that shows that you're coming into
1: the playoffs and even back to the Indians now in full stride. Yeah, he's seen the ball pretty well. It seems like he's seen a beach ball, which is crazy for him, only playing 45 games this year, which is nothing. Right. And so for him to be hitting the ball the way he's hitting, I, you know, I like it. I, I think he's, he's going to be a, a tough out when it comes to our playoffs. And we're going to need every bit – when it comes to playing the Houston Astros, I, I'm excited to see Josh Donaldson uh, to 100 percent form as we we move into the
0: playoffs. It looks to be that way that that first round uh, matchup is going to be against the Houston Astros, um, and because the Astros are going to end up with the better record, um, you got to go and play in Houston. And quite honestly, I know that you're not going to go in there and win Game One and Game Two. I would be thrilled to win Game One, lose Game Two, and come home 1-1
1: yeah you know to your point earlier Kluber's given up way too, home, too many home runs it scares me because of that short short porch in Houston where you basically flick your wrist and you've hit you've hit it off the back of the wall so hopefully Kluber can keep it down to his normal one huge bomb with no one on and and shut him down the rest of the time i, I we need a big start out of Kluber we're going to need a big start out of whoever's in our second rotation which i would put Carrasco there mm-hmm. just saying um and Maybe we could come back, you know, one and one or two and oh. that That'd be spectacular. We come back, you know, zero and two. We may not go back to Houston, and that's scary.
0: Right? You know, they, if they can somehow uh, get themselves into a spot where they can take two in Houston, there's no way Houston's going to beat this team three games in a row. There's, especially yeah. coming to come back to Progressive Field, it's not going to happen. And I just wanted to throw a quick shout out to you because I've been really down on this guy. Uh, Josh Tomlin did a spot start this past Friday night for the Tribe. Um, four innings, five hits, only two runs. You know, based off what we've seen from Josh this year, not that he, I'm counting on him come playoff time, but I got to give credit where credit is due. He's actually threw pretty well against that Tigers offense.
1: And we're we're big about that. You know, we'll say when we're wrong. I want you guys to know that out there. We're not like the typical experts because we're not we're not professionals. We will apologize when we are absolutely wrong, and we'll do it time after time after time. And Josh Tomlin came out, and he he did prove both of us wrong. He came out and he had a great outing, and showed signs of maybe we could use him in the playoffs. I don't know if I'd go
0: that far. I can't have a guy throwing an 83
1: mile an hour meatball up there to that Houston lineup. Uh, 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 no, no. Well, depending on where we're at in the lineup, if you get to the bottom uh, bottom, you know, eight nine you might be able to use Tomlin to, to save some arms. You know, I I think it's going to be a a situation where it's going to be a war of attrition for both bullpens because there's such great hitters. There's such great hitters in both lineups that I feel like we are going to go straight to the bullpen in game one for both teams. I I don't think that we're going to get dominated by Verlander because we've seen Verlander a lot. So he's going to be their game one starter. Kluber is going to be our game one starter. And I feel like we have the upper hand because we, we dominate, we've been dominating verlander so that that gives us the upper hand so this is going to be a bullpen series for sure and we're going to need tomlin to basically be an extra arm so that we have rested arms when we're trying to get through this series
0: but me i mean if you're going to carry one of your your fifth starter in the bullpen doesn't that take josh out of the playoff roster discussion
1: yeah well it, it may it may but the the more the more arms we have i'm i'm telling you we're going to need it The more arms we have in the bullpen, regardless of who it is, we need them. We need fresh arms. We need to make sure that we're not trotting someone out there for the third day in a row um, to, to basically be thrown to the wolves and have nothing left, and they're now they're giving up 80-mile-an-hour BP fastballs that get hit a mile. So, right. you know, I, I, if Josh is going to come out there and do that anyway, we might as well go out there and let him do that anyway and waste his arm, whether than waste Otero's arm or Miller's arm for being out there for the third straight day, things like that. Right. So i got to give it up to Kip. Kip's
0: been playing a lot better since we really ragged on him. I know his average is only 228, but he's up to 16 homers and 68 RBIs. Got a hit last night uh, that went for a home run in an RBI. Um, is he still your center fielder that you feel confident in going into the playoffs?
1: No. I'm, I'm still saying no. And I'll tell you why. Greg Howland was six six at-bats and Kip with eight. Greg Allen's still hitting better than Kip. And, you know, Kipness, he, he's, he's liable to, to hit a home run every now and then, but – what what gets me is what I saw in center field just yesterday. Uh, there was a, a hard-hit ball by uh, Minkata, really hard-hit ball. The first thing Kip does is the number one thing you don't do as an outfielder, and we learned this in, in Little League and, and everything like that, you don't take your first step forward. and That's exactly what it did. I cannot have that in the playoffs. That is inexcusable. Can, no, can't that, have that. that. That can kill
0: you in the playoffs because that's especially – that's a big outfield out there in Houston. A um, ball hits somewhere; it could ricochet. God knows where. Um, on our off-field isn't exactly the greatest to begin with, um, so yeah, I'm kind of really hoping that Greg Allen um, does play more than Kip does in in the postseason. Like you said, Kip can be a guy that can come off and be a game-changing uh, pinch hitter late in late in games.
1: And and to go back in the last basically seven games, you know, and I'm taking a seven-game window, something I, I looked at because I'm I'm interested in this 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 center field. Uh, tip for tap with kip and allen and in seven games allen was six at bats he has a 333 average he you know he has an on base percentage of 429 and he has a slugging percentage of of 500 okay that's greg allen's stats that's that's good that's not bad kip and eight at bats 250 average 364 on base percentage but a 750 slugging percentage to you know, it, it depends on what you want. Kip is more liable to hit more home runs. He is. He's he's a run that can happen. Greg Allen is more of your base hitter. He's going to get on base for you. He's the RBIs and runs you need. I like Allen better because, in this sense, he's a better defensive player, and you're not losing much by not having Kip in the lineup. You're not. And I just wish that it, it could be seen, but it seems like Terry Francona is more in – in the mold that I'd rather have kids bat because he could be that one run that wins us the ball game, whereas Greg Allen will just get on base and we may not be able to get him around.
0: Right. I think uh, I think it's going to end up coming down to where Greg Allen's going to be your late-inning defensive replacement. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he's not going to see many at-bats. And uh, maybe that's a lot because he's a rookie. Um, I think maybe next year he's going to have a chance to shine um, and see because I don't see Lonnie Chisenhall coming back before the end of the season. I don't think it makes sense for Lonnie Chisholm to come back before the end of the season. Um, You're not going to get – you don't have Naquin. You're not going to have Bradley Zimmer. um, So you're basically going to have Melky, who's – Melky's raking right now, man. He is six home runs, 35 RBIs, 274 average. If you would have told me that Melky Cabrera was going to drive in 35 to 40 runs for us after the way he started, I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah,
1: and he really picked up after Leonis Martin went down with that illness. Uh, Shout out to you, Martin. Hope you're feeling better. We hope to have you back next season, which is crazy. Our outfield right now, if everyone in our outfield comes back – including Kip, because I hope we keep Donaldson. We, we probably have one of the most stacked outfields ever to play baseball right now. And I, who is getting cut from this team at that point? Well,
0: at that point, you got trade bait for oh, better yeah. arms in the bullpen. Absolutely. it uh, has been kind of a shortfall for you this year. Um, you could plug up some, uh, you know, as much as I like Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez, I wouldn't mind going out and getting another backup to Gomes. And it's just as good as Perez with a little bit of a better bat.
1: You know what? Yeah, maybe a little bit of a veteran presence. Right. Yeah. Not anyone not named Jonathan LeCroy, Um douchebag. <laughs> he's and you know and and thankfully you know he's been playing terrible and we dodged a bullet by he's not getting bad. him. we 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 absolutely dodged a bullet. So I'm glad he didn't decided not to come to Cleveland. And I decided he went out and crapped the bed for two other teams rather than coming to Cleveland and crapping the bed. I think we got one of the the you know most unknown sleepers in the league in Yan Gomes. That guy has been ever consistent for the past two years and i'm i'm happy to have him i i you know as far as catching talent goes in the league it is very minimal and yan gomes is has separated himself as, as probably one of the elite catchers in the game
0: right and the only thing i mean he's hitting 260 this year uh 14 home runs 44 RBIs um you know i think the indians thought that they might have more power and more run you know driving inability. Uh, but i think this is the first season where he's actually been healthy um and if you if my catcher is going to hit between 260 and 270 and you know have 15 to 20 home runs and honestly he hits at the bottom of your lineup so he's not going to have that run producing mm-hmm. opportunities right. like your uh, Francisco Lindor's right. or your Edwin Encarnacion right. or Jose Ramirez have but if my catcher is going to hit 270 and hit 14 you know 15 to 20 home runs and drive in 50 to 60 runs I'll take that all day if he's throwing guys out and managing my pitching staff Yeah I'm
1: I'm excited for him cuz he's got a great arm uh, he's finally becoming a threat at the plate. You can't just throw it over the plate to Jan Gomes because it will get hit a mile. Right. So I'm excited for Yon Gomes. I hope we keep him for quite a while, and I hope we get a, a decent backup so that Young Gomes can get that rest so, and we don't lose anything, you know, uh, or at least don't lose a lot if he has to take a rest because if you bring in the other catchers that we got – it it is It is not good yeah
0: Roberto's I mean Roberto Perez is a fantastic defensive catcher he can throw guys out just as almost as well as Jan Gomes can uh, but he just has one heck of a time hitting
1: at the plate I'm also excited for the the week that Yonder Alonso has had too that that man went up there and in seven games is has got a 500 average and a 583 on base percentage with an 800 slugging percentage he's he's really revving it up to go in the playoffs and and I want to thank you, Carlos Santana, for going to get paid in Philadelphia because we got you, the same player that you are, for cheaper. And Yonder Alonso is going to be a threat in the playoffs, and I'm, I'm 100% happy with what we got out of him. I hope we can sign him for another year. I mean, a guy who comes in and hits
0: you 23 home runs and 79 RBIs, I mean, he's the type of guy where I'm not really looking so much at his batting averages. What are you giving me when you – as far as production. And I didn't know he had hit 23 home runs because Tom Hamilton said that he went yard for the first time in three weeks. I'm thinking, man, Yonder's probably got 15, 16 bombs here. I see he's got 23 and 79 and another lineup. He's probably got closer to 30 and hundred RBIs, but you've got guys in front of him who can rake and mash and are hitting, uh, you know, record breaking home runs for their position and for teammates. So, uh, I'm very, very, very pleased with what Yonder Alonso has brought us, not
1: only offensively but defensively as well. And if you're going to hit 242, you better be hitting bombs, and that's what Yonder Alonso has done. You, you know, he's ha- he has a lower average, but he has the slugger's average, and I like that. I-, I like that he is one of the few in the league that actually are making the first base position, that slugger position, again, and. I'm I'm happy for the money we got him, and I hope that he we can keep him for 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 the discount that we have him for a couple more years because he is one of the best buys, but second to Jay Bruce of last year that we have gotten in a long time. Absolutely, and like you know, Edwin two forty thirty one home runs ninety nine RBIs.
0: I'll He's take good it. for thirty and a hundred every year. I mean, yeah, his bat speed is probably not what it used to be, but. If my cleanup hitter has got 30 bombs and 100 RBIs, he's done his job for me and I'm happy with it. Absolutely, 100%. So, man, we got two weeks left in this season. Um, I'm really sick of talking about Triverse Astros. I'm ready to see Triverse Astros. I'm ready for an October to
1: remember, as our boy Tom Hamilton would say. And, you know, one thing that has excited me, we've got, uh, you know, Andrew Miller. Uh, he's out there looking great. I liked him last night in that closer role. I feel like, you know, that kind of mixed him up, made him, made him think about some things. And he actually went out there, and he was he was darn near a Chapman-like last night. Yeah. What do you think?
0: You know, I really like what I've seen from Andrew Millen. I even said before he went back to the DL for his latest stint, I thought that he was starting to throw the ball better. I thought his sinker was more effective. I thought his fastball was uh, more effective. I think he's just at a spot now where he's still working on his location a mm-hmm. little bit. But you got two weeks to get your location down and two weeks to get him in back-to-back games because I need to see him in back-to-back games and be effective. Um, you know, this bullpen that was once something that was very shaky, I think, is gonna be something that's gonna really help catapult the Indians for another deep run in October.
1: Yeah, and and to see, you know, many people may not have noticed, but Andrew Miller hit a 97 mile an hour fastball last night, and he hasn't done that in a long time. It looks like he's recovered well from his injury, and this is great to see going down the stretch because he is going to be key for those eighth, 7th, uh, 8th, and ninth innings. Depending on where Francona wants to use him, can't go wrong. Uh, I would like to see him in a, in a more of a setup role, but can't go wrong with him being a, a closer or in the 7th spot because he's going to shut him down. He shut him down last night. He almost struck out the side. If it wasn't for, you know, uh, Jan Gomes' drop third strike, he might have struck out the side last night.
0: Right, and also, too, you know, I got to give my props to Cody Allen because Cody Allen has really, really turned his season around. Um, I know he went through kind of a rough stretch there, uh, but at one point his ERA was up to 4.95. He's got it down to 4.06, 27 saves, 76 strikeouts uh, in his uh, outings. Um, but Cody's turned that corner. I really think he's had a chance to recover. They haven't had to use it as much as they did when that bullpen was really struggling. And I really think why that's he, why he struggled. Um, so you've got a three-headed monster in Brad Hand, Cody Allen, and
1: Andrew Miller. The Indians have a lead after seven innings. Good luck. Good luck. And it's, it's back to the, the, the 2016 playoff run. It was get ahead early, which we do a lot, and close it down with our bullpen. And I, and I like that formula. And it worked right on through the playoffs. We were one game from being champions with that formula. And and in every game that we even lost against the Cubs and that we were still in those games, Cubs just executed one play better. And I felt like I'm not going to say they got lucky, but they were able to hit that mistake pitch and got they got lucky.
0: They were a rain delay saving grace, and that's why. They won the World Series because if that game doesn't get delayed, the Indians are World Series champions because they had all the momentum in the world. Thank you, Major League
1: Baseball douches. Spoken like a true, true, <laughs> true Cleveland fan.
0: Right. All right, so I'd have to say we got, uh, got some good tribe talk in there. We, I think we're ready for the playoffs. Uh, two more weeks of the regular season. Um, I think that's just enough time to get exactly where they need to go. Uh, What else you got on your mind tonight before we uh, call it a day?
1: I think think we pretty much wrapped it up. I I do. Oh, yeah, we got a shout-out. Shout-out to the Medina
0: Flash Unified Softball Team, gold medal. That's right. They won that gold medal this past weekend. I am so happy for you guys. Congratulations. Well done. I went into uh, bowling on uh, Monday. Uh, My wife does Special Olympics bowling. I happened to stop in, and I saw a bunch of the guys, not only that I coach but that played on the softball team. A lot of them had their gold medals on. It was awesome to see how happy you guys were. You worked hard. You came through some adversity with some some
1: things, and I'm very happy for you guys. Nothing to scoff at there. Gold medals and championships are hard to come by. So you guys put in the hard work and the dedication. I'm proud of you guys. Good work. Also, too, happy belated birthday. Another shout-out to my boy Dwayne Sheck.
0: Uh, celebrated his uh, 34th birthday this past week. I had a chance to see him. I told him I chowed him out. So happy birthday, Dueno. So that's all we got for you guys. Let us know what you thought. Like we said, we've got uh, different, many different ways you can get a hold of us. Uh, TK and J show at yahoo.com, at J underscore TK on Twitter. Please leave a message on the Anchor app, anchor.fm slash TK underscore J. Uh, first person that leaves us a voicemail will get a T-shirt a Cleveland Indians t-shirt paid for by TK and J throwing it out there. I want to get some feedback. Also first person to send us an email might get a special prize too. We'll see what everyone comes first and how much of a budget our show has. Anyways, guys, thanks so much for tuning in this week. We really look forward to it Uh, next week. I'm really hoping that we can talk about a Cleveland Browns win. It'll be nice to get on the air and talk about a win, talk about uh, the Indians
1: some more, and maybe WWE will listen and book us a little bit better. Absolutely. Uh, We look forward to uh, next week. We enjoyed this week. We want to hear from you. Shout us out. Go Tribe. Go Browns. Have a great week, everybody.
0: Have a great week.